Welcome to another episode of the Total R&B Podcast. I am your host, Lorena, and today I have another great guest with me that I'm excited to interview. So this person is a reporter. He's a host. He's an MC. He's a radio and television personality. He's like basically everything that you need in media. He's been in this industry for many, many years. He is the founder of the Rudy Blair Entertainment Media Company. He has won, now this is a list of stuff, 16 Radio Television News Director Association National and Regional Awards, the Harry Jerome Award. He's been inducted into the Humber College Radio Broadcasting Hall of Fame, the Vaughn Road Academy Hall of Fame, and also received an honorary degree from Humber College, which is amazing. He has interviewed... Actors, politicians, artists, athletes, you name it. He's interviewed that person. Some of the artists that he's actually uh, interviewed are, you know, people like Justin Bieber, Julie Black, uh, Marlon and Tito Jackson, uh, Snoop Dogg. There is an array of people that he has interviewed and it's amazing. He is currently uh, the host of CMW Virtual Voices series that you can check out bi-weekly. And he is also the host of The Lemon Stage, too. So welcome to the podcast, Rudy Blair. Hey, it Rudy. Is a, it's a pleasure to see you. And uh, congratulations on your podcast. Thank you. Thank you for taking time out of your day um, to talk with me. So I'm super excited. Um, of course, I met you at CMW, but I've been following your career for many years. Everything that you do, I find it so amazing. And just to see your work um, and then be in a space while you're doing that work has been pretty amazing. So thank you. Thank you. All right. So with the podcast, I always started off with the same question um, all the time because I love to see people's answers for this question. So it is, what is your first memory of R&B music? Like what comes to mind when I say that? Oh my goodness. Um, you got to remember I'm six times older than you. So I go way back. If, if I had to go for a memory, it would probably be my dad. And the reason why I'll say that is because growing up in Toronto, um, if you know that era back in the late 60s, early 70s, uh, most black people in Toronto, I would say Friday, Saturday, and sometimes Sunday, it was music night. Meaning oh. that you could be watching television. But at the same time, dad is playing music off of his stereo. So he could be playing anything from the Temptations to the Spinners to, uh, you know, Dana Ross and the Supremes. Uh, it could be any one of those artists or more. So. You know, growing up, you, you like I said, you'd be lying there, you'd be watching TV. Dad is now playing the music. And what was really cool was back then, um, you never know who was coming to the house, too. I mean, yeah. nobody, you know, because there's no text messages or anything like that. So uh, somebody could come over to the house. Next thing you know, somebody else is coming to the house because word just got around. And then the next thing you know, you have a almost like a party that nobody really planned. <laughs> and people are around the you know the the guys are talking here the women are talking here the kids are playing and then suddenly uh you know a parent turns around and says hey so and so do that dance you used to do and next thing you know the kids are all dancing so when it comes to first memory of that i would say 
it would be my dad from playing his music and which sort of transcended to my older brother who became a DJ and to myself and the rest of my family doing what they do. I love that. Thank you for sharing that memory with us. But that's why I love that question because you it always brings up a happy moment for people and they get to share, you know, go down memory lane and share like a really good time that they had, especially with family too, which is really important. So that's super awesome. And so I want to get into uh, broadcasting because I wanted to know, um, is this something that you wanted to do as a kid? Oh, hell no. Oh, no. <laughs> I, you know, I, I've, I've told this story before, but it's, it's kind of funny because um, I didn't know what the hell I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. It was actually my older brother, Colin, who talked about getting into radio broadcasting. But he decided at some point he didn't want to do it. He liked DJing. He liked, you know, playing at parties and things like that. So on my last year at Von Road Academy, which at the time was known as Von Road Collegiate, I got called into the uh, administration and, uh, you know, the office. I'm sitting there and uh, the guidance counselor is saying, hey, Rudy, you haven't applied for anything. Like. What are you going to do? Had no clue. The only thing that came up to mind was uh, I said, okay, how about radio broadcasting? Okay. So I decided to go into radio broadcasting. So we filled out a bunch of applications. And um, it's kind of funny because I didn't get in. Uh, I, I did get into Humber College, but I didn't get in for radio broadcasting because they were like, you know, apply for two things. Uh, apply for radio broadcasting, but then apply for something else that could be easy to get in. So I also applied for general business, got into general business at Humber College, didn't get into radio broadcasting. So for one year, I took general business, reapplied for radio broadcasting. And back then, I don't know if it still goes on now, but back then, if you're already in that climate, nine times out of 10, you can just jump around to anything, reapplied for radio broadcasting and got in. But it wasn't a full-time course that I saw that I got in. It was actually a weekend course, and which I actually think is better because I didn't have to worry about electives and things like that. It was just strictly radio. So I I was in a small class of uh, students, and from 9 to 5, we learned strictly radio. You didn't have to do anything else, but it was all strictly radio Saturday and Sunday, and which helped me be able to work during the week. So I was working in a warehouse and go to school on the weekends. It was a two-year course. My second year, I was able to get a job at a station that doesn't exist anymore. It was called CKO. It was an all news and information station. They had stations across Canada, but it was one of the uh, low-end radio stations. I mean, the ratings were so low, colleges stations had more uh, listeners. But it was a great learning experience because it was kind of one of those things where you got in at the beginning of your career, and a lot of the old-school guys who were there were the guys who were just, you know, finishing up their careers. So they were the most um, uh, very imaginative, imaginative, very good, but very uh, back then, very, you know, let's just say uh, it's it's not as easy as it is today. So um, I got a job working as an op, meaning, of course, uh, I played the commercials and I would run newsreels and things like that overnight. 
and it was a full-time job. So for one year, I was working Sunday nights from 12 till 8 a.m., mm-hmm. Sunday night to Thursday night, and going to school Saturday and Sunday, 9 to 5. And Pretty great good. learning experience, but it was hell because I had never worked overnights before. So, you know, you're just in a daze and then you're going to school and, you know, you never, it was hard. It was very hard, but it was great because by the time when I graduated, uh, they'd moved me to evenings. Yay. No more overnights. Okay. And I was working in Toronto full time. Whereas my other uh, folks that I was going to school with, they're all trying to get jobs anywhere. Yeah. And a lot of them didn't, but I was working full time. So, and knock on wood, uh, I never had to leave Toronto. All my jobs were here in Toronto. So I'm very, very happy about that. No, that's really good because a lot of people have to move to different yes. places in order to grow their career, but you've been able to, you know, sustain and grow your career at home. So that's pretty cool. And I would still suggest for, for younger folks, yes, go, if you get a job in in London, Ontario, or Owen Sound, or wherever the outskirts are, go, because that's where you need to make your mistakes. That's where you need to grow. That's where you need to learn. That's when, you know, don't complain about if you got to do a report on the uh, quilt festival that they have. It's a learning experience that's going to help you to go to uh, the semi-majors and then the major places, uh, cities uh, across Canada. No, that's good advice, too. And I also liked how you said in the beginning, you didn't know what you wanted to do when it came to education later on, because I find so many of us get to that point and we're so stressed out. We have stress like from our parents that want us to like enter into certain fields and we don't know. But I always tell people to try different things. Um, So I like that you said that because a lot of people get so worried. And I like how you just, you know, you tried it out, you know, something that your older brother wanted to do, but it's you know, worked out quite well for you. Well, well, the, the funny thing is, too, like I ended up becoming an on-air personality. And it's not that's not what I wanted to do. Also, I wanted to do production. Mm-hmm. Just there wasn't production jobs open and I was still pushing buttons. But I'll tell you the story and how I went from pushing buttons to doing what I do now. It's a bit of a long story, but I'll try to cut it down. But I'll tell you about that later on. OK, I'm here for it. Oh, you want me to tell you now? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, like, here's oh, here's the thing. Share with us. Sure, sure. Okay. So, um, once CKO was over, uh, the station closed. I was there for well five years, and I didn't know what I wanted to do. So, I was working in a warehouse for a short time, mm-hmm. and but I wanted to do production, and I got into a production house. The guys who would um, uh, add sound to commercials and movies and things like that. And, um, even some music recording, I had a great time doing it. And it was again, great learning experience, but this is when we still had reels. This isn't all digital or anything like that. So I was an assistant, uh, engineer and I had to come in early. I would have to adjust the reels with tones and things like that and sit back and, you know, have my, uh, engineer tell me what to do and, to help with the sessions and things like that. And I did that for a couple of years. Great learning experience. But again, the industry was changing because around that time when my original radio station closed, that's when Black Tuesday happened. And people remember back, 
back in the 80s and 90s, Black Tuesday was when basically the stock stock market plunged. And a lot of people lost their jobs. We didn't go into the depression, but uh, it was pretty close to that. So a lot of people were losing jobs. Companies were going down. And uh, two of the companies I worked for ended up being affected by that. And um, when I was doing audio recording, the company got bought out by another company. And then the company started letting people go. And I got let go again. So tough times. Had to decide what I wanted to do. Realized that, uh, you know, let me go back to radio. Ended up getting two part-time jobs, working weekends and two days weekends, two nights overnight at uh, All Hit 680 CFTR when it was still playing music and the Fan 590. Uh, that's the all sports station. And I did that for about a year. Uh, all Hit 680 became 680 News in the transition. I was given a morning show full-time job at 680. Okay. So I started back doing that again, almost like what I was doing at CKO. The only problem was I was doing it for a long time and wasn't feeling it. I mean, I'm pushing the same buttons. I'm doing the same thing. I wanted some kind of transition. So I kind of thought to myself, what can I do? Well, Gloria Martin, who I consider one of my mentors, she was doing traffic, but she was also doing entertainment because the station was still trying to figure out what was needed, what wasn't needed. And by the way, the station went from all hit 680 CFTR to like 680 news, like really low on the totem pole. And so I asked Gloria, Hey, can I help you out with what you're doing with entertainment? She said, sure. So she helped me develop in being able to do movie reviews and doing stories, but my reporting was lousy. And my stuff would only be played overnight. And my writing was weak. And it was just like, it was so bad. But I learned and I developed. Yeah. And I would do my eight-hour shift uh, at uh, at 680 News. And then I would be there for another eight hours, do my entertainment, not getting paid, just learning. And eventually, I got kind of tired of what I was doing there. And I had to think to myself, I need to figure out how I can stand out. Mm-hmm. But hmm, I love music. Grew up on music. Why not to do music reporting and interviewing artists that come to town? So I call up all the record stations and their rate uh, record companies. And they're like, who the hell are you? We don't know you. Your station's got nothing. Click. So I would try to interview indie artists mm-hmm. and it was people that you would never have heard of or known or anything like that. And I'm trying to do these interviews and put them on the air. And I've got people going, who's this? Nobody cares. So I had a tough time getting stuff going. Well, um, sure enough, there was an artist who had a song called um, Butterfly Kisses. And it was a kind of like a gospel country song and it was being played on our sister station chfi and this individual came down to the station and he was being interviewed one of my bosses and the music director for chfi said hey look we've got a music reporter here over at 680 news do you mind doing an interview with him so guys like yeah i'm here do it so i'm trying to write everything up and figuring everything out because i you know to me this is major and we go into the booth and we do the interview. 
the artist loved the interview I did. And he says to me, hey, look, I've got a show coming up over at the CNE Grandstand. Do you want to introduce me? I'm like, yeah, of course. Mm -hmm. So I do that. And I put this thing together and I air it. Now, anybody knows about 680 News, which is now City News 680. Um, it's an all news station, but you know, our, the interviews that you would put up are only in like a minute or less. So I had to figure out how can I add music to this, find the right clips to put together and keep this under a minute. Difficult, but I was able to figure it out and I did it. The company at the time, I do believe it was BMG. Uh, the guy who was there, Warren Kopnick, love him to death says, hey, you know what? We got a lot of new artists coming out. Why don't you interview them? I was like, oh, gosh, yeah. Well, the funny thing is those artists ended up being Britney Spears, Backstreet Boys, NSYNC. Um, who else am I thinking of? Just basically those artists that were just starting out. Nobody knew who the heck they were. Wow. So I'm interviewing these artists. And I'm putting it on the air. And of course, because they're new, nobody knows who they are. Mm-hmm. And, but, you know, so again, tough time. Who are these artists and whatever? But the company's loving what I'm doing. And some of the other companies hear what I'm doing. So they're like, hey, we got new artists too. You want to interview them? So now I'm interviewing all these new artists who would later become major artists like the Michael Bublé's and the Nickelbacks. <laughs> And the Avril Lavines, like I'm interviewing these people when nobody gave a damn about them. Taylor Swift, right now, one of the biggest artists in the world. I interviewed her, you know, at a Tim Hortons. Nobody knew who the heck she was. Nobody cared. She was a gawky, skinny young lady, you know. Um, so I'm interviewing all these artists. The one that changed everything was my interview with Phil Collins. And uh, I, Warner Music gives me a call and says, hey, Phil Collins is in town. Uh, he just sort of arrived. Uh, you, I think you're going to be the only one person getting him. Do you want to come down and interview him? <laughs> Run down there. They bring me into a boardroom. And uh, next thing I know, Phil Collins walks in with the rep. Rep goes, Rudy, Phil Collins, Rudy, Phil Collins, Rudy Blair. Uh, we'll give you a half hour. So I do my interview with him and we talk about a lot of things. And so I put the stuff together and I air it. I didn't tell anybody at the station that I was doing this. I wanted to surprise them. So I go back to the radio station. I'm working throughout the evening and night. I literally sleep on the floor there. I put it together. I get it together and they air it. And practically everybody thought that this was a fake interview. And they thought that I had taken clips from some other interview and just added my voice in. I had to recut the interviews so that you could hear the conversation before mm-hmm. anybody believed that, yes, I spoke with Phil Collins. And at the time, of course, it's not like you could I could have taken a picture with Phil Collins because we didn't have phones like that. I was taking photo pictures, so my pictures weren't going to be developed until, uh, you know, I got I got them done. So now suddenly it's a big thing. Oh, my goodness. Rudy Blair actually interviewed Phil Collins. Next thing I know. I'm interviewing LL Cool J and that becomes a big thing. And then after that, I'm interviewing seal and I'm interviewing a lot of now 
bigger artists. And now it's a mix of new artists and bigger artists. I I set up a deal with Much Music, and I said to them, hey, look, you guys have this thing called Intermittent Interactive. Let yeah. me come down. I will first talk about the show, but um, but let me come down, watch, and let me interview the artists there. They're like, yeah, come on down, do that. Fantastic. Much Music Video Awards. I go, I will do a report on it before the show, and I will do reports after the show if you allow me to come down. Come down. I Literally, for a couple of years, I was the only person doing interviews at the Much Music Video Awards and doing it live at the Much Music Video Awards. Because back then, they were only getting little write-ups. Yeah, I made deals with other radio stations like Z103 when they would have their big summer jams mm-hmm. over at Canada's Wonderland. And I would say... Uh, look, I can't mention Z103, but I can say big concert happening here. And I would go down there and I would do live hits on our radio station. And I would interview the artist backstage. Hey. And then I had all this content that I could put on for the rest of the week or two weeks or whatever else. So I was making deals all over the place, as many people as possible. And a lot of the stuff I did not getting paid. I did it on my own time, weekends, nights. But the thing I saw was I saw something growing to the point where I'm getting um, P. Diddy, Puff Daddy back then, and I'm getting Jennifer Lopez, and I'm getting all these major artists. And um, it it, it definitely grew from from there. So sorry, I said I was going to make it short, but it ended up being long. But, no, but um, I, I love that. Sorry to cut you off, but you dropped so many gems within that story that people could learn from because I find, especially today, um, we have all these metrics and stuff that puts like a value on our work. And I find a lot of people are trying to rush to get those big names like a, hmm. like a Puff Daddy or a J-Lo. But I like that you started off with the indie artists or and you spoke to the artists, probably giving them one of their first interviews ever. And through that, you were able to hone your skills, build it up. Other people are seeing your work, right? And you're getting out there and then you're building. A lot of people just want to start at the top. So, And, I, and, I, and I want to add something in. In between the indie artists and the major artists, Canadian country artists were really the first ones to allow me to be in their world and do interviews. So I was interviewing the Paul Brants and the Terry Clarks and the Michelle Brants and who are now considered legend, Canadian country artist legends, I was interviewing them too. My th- and, and they were very welcome, which is one of the big reasons why I'm very attached with Canadian country music, because when I couldn't get certain artists, they would always be available to speak. And not just Canadian country, even American country. They didn't care if you were a small whatever – they made time to speak to you in person or over the phone or anything like that. Um, so I, I'll never forget that too. Plus, um, because it was an all new station, it wasn't like it was a hip hop station. It wasn't a top. Ten. I was able to interview anybody I wanted to. So I was doing country, hip hop, rock, pop, um, classical. I was being able to interview all different types of genres, which I think really helped me grow and understand how uh, it all worked. And 
doing a lot of red carpets and things like that was great because it would be to a point where if I was doing the MMVAs or if I was doing the Juno Awards or anything like that, practically anybody who came down the red carpet knew me. But it wasn't that way for everybody else because they only knew certain artists for their genre. Yeah. So my interviews would be different and still is, will be different from their interviews because now mine is more a personal effect than, hi, I just met you kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. No, this has been really like I'm taking in this information myself. This has been very like insightful because for me as well, I never wanted to be in the forefront. I always worked behind the scenes. That's what mm-hmm. I like doing. So even the radio station I created in Montreal in Montreal called the Morning Detour, I started out just as a producer. I would book guests, I would do the social media, like anything that has to do with like behind the scenes, I'm there. If there was a cameraman in the studio, I'm behind the cameraman. Like nowhere. I don't want to be seen. But Again, things happen and I came out into the forefront and then my love of music and just talking to different artists brought me here. So I relate to that, too. And I want to ask, because you like name dropped a lot of amazing artists uh, that you got to interview. What are some of like if you could name two of your most memorable interviews, what would they be? Well, I already told you about Phil Collins because I always mentioned Phil Collins because that was the kickoff. That was really the kickoff. The one that for me personally was amazing and you may be too young for him, but will always be Barry white. Oh, I know Barry white. Just checking, just checking (laughs) because anybody who knows Barry white from back in the seventies, the maestro of love, the deep Mm -hmm. voice, the sexy songs. uh, He's just an amazing person. And I grew up on Barry white and I, I used to play his music, the Love Unlimited Orchestra, things like that. I used to, you know, I loved listening to him. Um, and I had tried to get him. When things were really rolling, I wanted to get him for the longest time. And there's okay. a reason why. And um, a rep finally was able to set up a phone interview with me, uh, with him. And I was just, like, so excited. And so we do this phone interview and you know he's got the deep voice going and we talk about his career and we really connected and i still have it on mini disc and one of these days i'm gonna replay it and the reason why was because i wanted to get him because it was a few weeks before valentine's day Mm. Mm -hmm. and so i did my interview with him and then i said okay barry you he Told me to call him Barry. I wanted to call him Mr. White, but he's going to call him Barry. Can I get Valentine's Day advice, romance advice from Barry White? Sure. So I ask him all these questions like, what's the song to play for, you know, if you want to romance your lady from, you know, Barry White's music? And uh, he told me, he, I said, you know, how do you treat a woman? Like, how should you set it up? And I shouldn't say woman. I should say your partner. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and he's, telling me to do this and that it was just great stuff and he did a i think he was one of the first artists to really do this for me he did a 680 news id okay meaning of course hi this is six this is barry white from on 680 news wishing all my people love on valentine's day so again i cut this all up put these features together. I save them for Valentine's day. I set up the IDs and everything else. 
And uh, I told only certain people that I was doing this because I love surprises. Okay. <laughs> and so Valentine's Day, we run it. Phone calls. Is that really Barry White? That's Barry White. I was freaking people out from listeners to our own people going, is that really Barry White's giving advice about it? Like it was, it was amazing. And um, the running the IDs and things like that. Like it was just, it, it was a really great pat on the back for myself. And I learned that those were the kind of things I really enjoyed trying to figure out how to be creative mm -hmm. with what you have, not just doing the, you know, Hey, you got to, you know, what's your career like, blah, 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 but trying to do different things. So every year after that, I would try to find somebody who was like, maybe, I don't know, a Michael Bolton or somebody yeah. who was, you know, into the romantic music and they would give their Valentine's Day advice. So I was running that for a couple of years. I would ask artists after my interview, give me your favorite Halloween story. Give me your favorite Thanksgiving story. Give me your favorite Christmas story or your favorite Christmas present. And I would save this stuff. And when the holidays came up, I would cut them all together, put them together, and I would run them hmm. on, on those special days. And a, a bit of a lie. I told you there are two. There's actually three. The other oh. one, and, and, I'll, I, and I'm sorry, I'm going so long. No, um, I'm loving these stories. Okay. The other one would be, um, uh, I could at least say as a friend of mine, is Gordon Lightfoot. Okay. Uh, the legend. And the reason why is when I first met Gordon Lightfoot, um, Gordon was still going through his problems. And uh, when I met him, he wasn't in a good place. And I didn't want to go near him. I didn't want to make him angry or anything. And a few years later, after that first meeting, I get a phone call out of nowhere. And I'll do the imitation of it. And it's like, uh, hello, 680 News, Rudy speaking. Hello, Rudy. Yes. This is Gordon Lightfoot. Yes, sir. Um, what can I do for you, sir? Rudy, I got a question for you. Uh, yes. Why have you never interviewed me? Oh, wow. Uh, because, sir, I never thought I could ever get an interview with you. Well, would you like to talk to me? Uh, yes. What's good for you, sir? How about tomorrow? Okay. Uh, I can come down to the station. Okay, sir. Okay, so let's do it at this time, and I'll see you tomorrow. I hang up. I run over to my boss. I tell him, the news director, I said, Gordon Lightfoot's coming. He's like, what? And I told him the story. So the next day, I go downstairs in the lobby. There's little Gordon just sort of sitting there. His driver is waiting outside. I've got security going. We saw him, but we didn't know if we could say anything to him. I said, don't worry. So I go through, I introduce myself, shakes my hand. Um, he's waving at people. We go upstairs. Now, this is a completely different Gordon Lightfoot to I met. Mm -hmm. And we sit down and we talk for about 45 minutes to an hour. And one of the things he said was he was a big fan of my work. And he just wanted to know why I never had the chance to interview. I never told him about that first incident. I just told him I just never thought I could get an interview with him. From there, we became actually friends. I even had his cell number. And um, 
I could call him and say, Gordon, you want to do a phone interview or yeah, let's do it. You know, I got a tour coming up and we would do that. He did this big Christmas story for me that we ran on Christmas day about what it was like in Aurelia with him growing up. And one of the most interesting things was, I don't know if you remember this or not, but um, several years ago, uh, there was a report that Gordon Lightfoot had passed away. And radio stations were starting to play his music and news stations were all, you know, putting no bits. And I'm sitting there because my, you know, people are coming to me going, you know, hey, we got to put something together for Gordon. I'm going, if Gordon Lightfoot died, somebody would contact me. Nobody contacted me. So I was going on the air saying that, uh, you know, there are reports that Gordon Lightfoot died. But we're going to we're not going to say that he did. We're not we're going to try to find and we're going to find out we're going to try to confirm this. So I'm going through trying to find people to find out what's going on. Um, Ronnie Hawkins, another legend. I was able to get a hold of him and he went on the air with me to say that somebody had called a reporter had called him to say that Gordon Lightfoot had passed away. So that's how the story got around. Um, but he said he really can't confirm it. So, I'm still calling Gordon on his cell phone. Finally, I got to his office, phone his office. They're like, no, Gordon just left from a meeting. And so I hang up. I go in the air. I'm telling people everything as we're going along. And I'm going, Gordon, if you hear this, because I know you love to listen, please call me. Next thing I know, Gordon calls me. Rudy. I'm like, Gordon, you okay? He said, yeah, yeah, you heard about this stuff. Yeah, can you go on the air with me? Of course. So we rush in, we get it up there, and um, the announcers are like, you know, we have rumors that Gordon Lightfoot the past day, 680's Rudy Blair is not going to confirm this. Rudy, folks, let's just get right to it. Gordon, are you there? And he goes on the air, and we talked a bit on the air, and, there, and, and we hang up, and we do the story, so we confirm it. Now, there are there's a documentary out on Gordon Lightfoot after he passed away and uh, really passed away. And there are people who are saying that they were the first, they were the first. I'm going to say this personally, I believe I was the very first person to get a hold of him, but if not, I'm definitely one of the top two or three for him to contact. But I actually believe I was the very first person to get him to confirm this. So again, for me, that's another pat on my back to have these kind of relationships with people and to be able to break stories like this is what it was one of the biggest stories I ever, I ever broke. The other one wasn't so much as I broke, but was involved with was Whitney Houston passing away. And I was covering the Grammy awards. We uh, Rogers had the rights to the Grammys, So they would send myself and another announcer from CHFI to the Grammys. And I remember I happened to be, looking for a taco down, down. and I started getting radio stage uh, calls from my radio station saying, I think something's going on with Whitney Houston. And so I run back to my hotel, turn on the TV, Whitney Houston has passed away. And this is like 24 hours before the Grammys are supposed yeah. to happen. So I grab my uh, equipment, run downstairs. I'm interviewing people who did not even know Whitney passed away. So I'm getting first reaction. I'm going back to the station. I'm playing this stuff. I'm doing live hits for uh, city TV and other stations and TV stations are calling me. So I'm trying to put stuff together and I'm doing all of this stuff. It was an amazing experience 
to do uh, with with you know Whitney Whitney Houston passing away. It's one of, and it might still be on YouTube because sometimes it's there, sometimes it's not. But it, it's it's one of the greatest experiences I ever had. It was just like when Michael Jackson passed away. Um, I was at a winners, got a call from the radio station. They're saying, I think something's going on with Michael Jackson. I literally am walking in the station. They go, really, Michael Jackson passed away, went right into the booth, flicked on the microphone, no script or nothing, and just talked and was doing that. So I've had some pretty major stuff happen, but it's from learning and making mistakes and figuring out what works for you and what doesn't work for you. That's really important. But another thing too, um, that I liked what you said when you were talking about uh, Gordon Lightfoot is that you actually went into like research and like figure out like, did he really pass away? Did he not pass away to get the correct information to give to your listeners? Um, Cause a lot of times now there's still those rumors that, that fly around with different celebrities saying that they passed away or something happened and it's totally false, but people just take the story and run with it. Like I find no one is trying to contact the family or contact their, their team to find out what is really going on. So I think that's also an important thing to know for anybody that wants to be in the same industry is to really do your research. Um, I, I do. I, I don't know if you remember or not if there, if you remember, there were rumors about Lil Wayne dying uh, yeah, several yeah, years I ago. I time it kept happening. Yeah, I sat at the I sat at my radio station almost all night because I refused to say that he had passed away. And when I finally got confirmation that he didn't, that's when I went on the air to talk about. It's not about being first; it's about being right. That is a reputation that you want. You just don't. I mean, even now when things I will see things come out and saying so-and-so passed away, depending, of course, what the source is. um, If I know it's a certain reliable source, then I will go with it. If it's something that's early, I will keep checking and keep checking and keep checking and keep checking until I know there's a confirmation from either the family or something like that that says, yes, he did or this person did pass away. And one thing I want to add to um, TMZ, when TMZ first started, TMZ was considered a joke. They became mm-hmm. serious when Michael Jackson passed away and they were the first ones to announce it. Nobody believed them. They got it right. And mm-hmm. since then TMZ became a major. So it is all about getting that right information. No, exactly. And another thing that's been important throughout this entire interview with you is that you have created these relationships with these artists, right? So they trust you. Like every time you see someone like come to you for an interview, they're happy, they're excited. Um, so what would you say makes a good interview? Research number one. Um, it, it, it drives me crazy when, if I'm standing at a red carpet, if I hear somebody else's interview with somebody and they have no clue on what's going on, or they think they know so much about, an artist and you're like no everybody knows that question and they're looking at you like what or asking a question that somebody has or everybody else has asked because nine times out of ten this is why i always looked at it when an artist gets to me they've already been on all the major television shows in the u.s all the major radio stations in the u.s and even major radio stations in canada so by the time they get to me they've already been asked certain questions a thousand times. Yes, there are one or two questions that you need to ask. 
um, to complete your interview. But try to come up with things that are different. The other thing is goes back to the research. When I had to do my research, I would have to buy Billboard magazine, right on, like all these Ebony, whatever, you know, rock magazines. I'd have to go and buy these magazines to read. You know, thank goodness the PR people will give you a sheet of paper that will give you information and things like that. I had to read all this stuff before I did my interview. Today, all you got to do is go on your phone, follow the person to see what they're, you know, they've done that day. A lot of people don't do that because for them, it's not about doing an interview. It's about let me get my picture so I can I can get a selfie so I can post on social media. That's it. Uh, A lot of them don't want to do the research and the hard work. The other thing that I learned is I have in my 30 plus years, I have barely ever written down questions. Uh, The reason why I don't do that is because I keep keep it in my head what I want to ask. I listen to what the person is saying because I may be going into a certain thought and how I want to go with this interview. That person may say something and I'm going, whoa, wait a second. And then suddenly my interview has changed. A great example is um, one of the best R&B Canadian artists is Jordan. And uh, I remember several years ago, he and I were doing an interview where we were going to talk about new music that he had out. And as we were speaking in the beginning, he he just kind of off cuff mentions to how, uh, yeah, you know, almost died. And I had this going on and this. And I'm going, whoa, 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 wait a sec. What do you mean you almost died? Yeah, you My can. interview flipped. Suddenly now we're talking about how a near death helped uh, inspire his album. And I know nobody else had that conversation. That's where the trust comes in when an artist can say something like that to you. My thing is always this. There's the artist. There's me. And they're the fans. I'm the middleman. I'm hoping to be asking the questions that the fans would love to ask that artist, but can't. So I'm asking that question, asking those questions and maybe something different to that artist, and then that artist is answering, trusting me with their answer, and I'm passing it back to the fan. Because a thing a lot of uh, reporters don't understand is no matter what you're asking, nine times out of ten, the fan knows a hell of a lot more about the artist than you do, because they're a fan. So you got to do your best job in asking questions that hopefully that fan might not know about. But at the same time, they want other things confirmed. Mm -hmm. I'm just the middleman for that. The other biggest problem I find with uh, reporting is people in my position start thinking that they're as big as the celebrities that they're speaking with. No, you're not. (laughs) You are, quote, unquote, local media personalities. And when I say local, meaning, of course, because I was working with 680 News, because they played my stuff across the country, Certain cities knew who I was. Mm -hmm. They knew me who I was in Toronto. They knew my voice. And because I would do some TV stuff and things like that, they knew my face. But if I went down to Florida or whatever, you think anybody's going to know who the hell I am? Come on. Nobody knows who I am. Local personalities. I ain't Tom Cruise. I ain't Taylor Swift. I ain't Oprah. Those are major celebrities. Dwayne The Rock Johnson, major celebrities. 
I'm a local personality who hopes that you listen to what I've done and appreciate what I've done. That's it. When you start thinking you're the celebrity, like the celebrity, you might as well kill your career. Now, th- that is true. I do have to agree with that because you do see that sometimes in this industry. And it's so small, too, especially here in Canada. So it's really important to, you know, kind of check the ego as you go along. Big time. But Big um, time. another thing, too, because the industry is so small, like how do you, well, any advice to maintain like relationships within the industry? Industry is changing all the time. Yeah. When I first started, the people that I would share red carpets with, 95% of them are no longer there. There's young young people there. The PR people I've dealt with, uh, a lot of them aren't there anymore, and new ones come in. Mm-hmm. So you have to always do what you can to maintain with these new group of people because the turnover is changing a lot. And hopefully if you're doing good work, no matter who takes that position, they're going to want to maintain and still work with you. That's where it comes to your work and and what you do. With Rudy Blair Entertainment Media being on my own, um, I always try to post an interview one every day. Meaning, of course, Monday to Friday. Sometimes I'll post on the weekends. This week as we speak, I'm only posting Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. But I try to make sure that I keep a good rotation going so that even if somebody who may not know who I am goes on and sees this guy's continuously going, some people will do one interview and just keep running it for a month. Nobody cares. They don't move on, get the next one on. So that's why I try to do what, what, uh, what I do. And it's, it's, it's made a difference, but it's kind of funny too, because, um, as I told you, sometimes I'll be on the red carpet or whoever, and I'll see these new crop of um, reporters, entertainment reporters come in, and they'll start talking amongst themselves. And they'll see me with my little camera and my microphone, and they're just kind of like, who's this guy? You know? <laughs> and I'm just like, that's fine. That's mm-hmm. fine. Because when the celebrity or whoever is walking down the red carpet and they see me, which has happened many a time, I've had it where um, an artist or whoever is talking to somebody, sees me, literally stops in mid-sentence, walks over to me, gives a big hug and goes, okay, get I'm like, dude, go back, go, go back. Yeah. Wait. <laughs> they go back, they finish it up, and then they come over to me and they immediately do the interview. And the person next to me or whoever is looking like, what the hell just happened there? And once That's it's done. Who that guy is. Once it's done, most of the time they'll come over and say, hi, my name is so-and-so. I just want to know, who's this guy everybody knows? When I'm at a press conference, again, especially if it's Junos or whoever, I'll have a lot of it. I can call them kids sitting there, and they're all, you know, and they got their questions, and they want to ask stuff, and, you know, they're thinking what they're asking, and they're they're doing their radio voice to ask the questions. And I'm just sitting back, and I'm just, you know, put my hand up. The first reaction is, hey, Rudy, how's it going? Good, man, good. And then I'll ask my question. They'll take their time answering it. They can take five minutes or whatever, whereas the other person, they only did it quick two minutes or one minute or whatever. And then by the time it's done and I'm packing up, I'll have those kids coming over going, hi, my name is so-and-so. I just need to know, who are you and how is it that everybody knows 
who you are. It's because I do my research. I interview the big stars when I can, but I also interview the smaller stars. And the reason why is those smaller stars will become big stars. Like I said, Christina Aguilera, Britney Spears, you know, all of these artists, I was interviewing them when nobody gave a damn about them. When they became big and we still maintained some kind of relationship, when they walked down, they come over immediately over to me because A, they can trust me and they know I'm not jumping on a bandwagon. I was there when nobody cared. I love that. Man, I have like so many more questions to ask you. We're going to have to do this again because- Sure, we can do a part two. So much information to give and there's just so much to learn from you. Um, So thank you so much for all of these stories you gave and all these lessons. These are like amazing. So before I let you go, I do want to play a quick game of R&B trivia. I'm going to ask you six questions. They're all going to be multiple choice. It's going to be a good time. Don't worry. Uh Yeah, we'll see how you do. Don't worry. You got this. Got this. I do bad. You edit that out. <laughs> no problem. I will do that. I okay. Got I got you. Okay. okay. So question one, mm-hmm. which Canadian singer slash songwriter had her first single released on Quincy Jones's album, Q's Juke Joint? Is it A, Deborah Cox, B, Deborah Kim, Cox. C, Kim, uh, no, Jackie Richardson or D, Tamia? De- I do believe it's uh, Deborah Cox. No. Who is it? Tamia. It was Tamia. Oh, okay. I've only interviewed Tamia maybe once or twice. So I thought yeah. it was Deborah Cox. I know Deborah Cox had the first major. No, Deborah Cox was with, um, oh gosh, what are they called again? The ones who did uh, uh, Janet Jackson. Um, oh, uh, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis? Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. That was Deborah Cox. So, okay. Let's do the next one. But yeah, it's Tamia that was with uh, Quincy Jones. She had yes two songs on that album. Yeah. Uh, so second one, mm-hmm. this Canadian singer crossed over to the U.S. and became a television host of the popular countdown music video show 106 and Park. It's yes, and a- she just hosted the Legacy Awards, but go ahead. No, no, no. You know the answer? No, no. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Just say it. <laughs> A, Keisha Shante, B, Melanie Fiona, C, Alicia Cara, or D, Nelly Furtado? Definitely A, and I'll tell you something. I was interviewing her when she was a youngin, and to watch her grow up is amazing. Mind you, when she posts pictures of herself in bikinis, I'm like, ah, because, ah, you know, she's still that little girl for me. But yeah. uh, we had a very nice chat just a little while ago uh, before she was hosting the the Legacy Awards. We did an interview and um, she's just an amazing person. I am so proud of her. And she did confirm her and Bow Wow never dated or anything. And she even said too, she was like, yeah, like like a lot of people were like, you know, don't you let Bow Wow near you. We'll yeah. keep him away. So <laughs> Yeah, no, she's, she's amazing. She's been doing it for so long. I remember like I have her like albums and everything. So yeah, love her. Um, next question. Mm-hmm. Which artist sang the following songs? Seven Day Fool. Oh, come on. Set it off and running. <sighs> who, who you got? Come on. You know it's the queen. You know it's the queen of R&B, but go ahead. No, well, give, give us the answer. I don't have multiple choice for that one. Uh, the queen. Come on. It's the queen, Julie Black. 
you know, Correct. bow to the queen and so happy for her because again, I interviewed her from back in the day and, you know, the black Jays and, and seeing what she's become and knowing all the trials and chip tribulations she's gone through. Um, mm-hmm. I'm so happy and proud of her. She's become such a great role model. No, definitely. And I do, I remember um, I got to see her live. It was the Canadian live music uh, awards with CMW. I was there. I was yeah. there. And she did such an amazing job. She's like the entertainment, the, of course, the singing. Like, I was like, oh, this is like super dope. Oh, so yeah. I was happy she got to do that. And then also seeing her perform at the Legacy Awards, too, was, yeah. was amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Okay. Question four mm-hmm. Which R&B singer, this is a Canadian R&B singer, mm-hmm. debut album was titled World Outside My Window that released classic songs such as Don't You Forget It? And it's not fair. Oh, <laughs> go ahead. Is it A, Glenn Lewis, B, John Vinyl, C, Ray Robinson, or D, Melanie Durant? Glenn Lewis. Um, yes. When I first met him, he was such a pure soul. Mm-hmm. And th- at that time, we were having all these great Canadian R&B artists coming out and being, you know, uh, signed by U.S. labels. So it was almost like the U.S. labels are trying to disguise our artists and say, yeah. no, they're they're from the state. No, they're from Canada. Glenn is the one of the purest performers ever. In fact, there's a video of him. I think he's performing a Stevie Wonder song mm-hmm. uh, out yeah. right now. About, yeah. And I hadn't seen him for the longest time. And about two years ago, we finally, I ran into him on a red carpet. We did the interview. He gave me his number. We did a Zoom interview, and we've been doing Zoom interviews since because we go back together. And I'm so happy with his success. Mm-hmm. He deserves the respect and so glad that he's still releasing music. No, an amazing person. Yeah, no, he's like one of my favorite voices in R&B is Glenn Lewis. Yeah. Like I can listen to him all the time. And I actually just interviewed um, this producer. His name is Casey Phillips. Um, yes. Yeah. So he was telling me that Glenn Lewis is working on an album. So I was yes. so excited. I was like, oh, my gosh, because I've been waiting for years. And Glenn doesn't age. That's the scariest part. Exactly. He looks exactly the same. Yeah. Exactly. I love it. So I'm excited for that. Um, question five. Mm-hmm. Uh, name the singer who won traditional R&B soul recording of the year three times in a row at the Juno Awards from 2021 to 2023. Oh, of course I covered it back then. Go ahead. Is it A, uh, Dylan Sinclair, B, Layla Day, C, Savannah Ray, or D, uh, Adria Kane? Oh, man. It's so funny because all those names I do believe did win. I'm going to go with Savannah Ray. That is correct. There we go. You got. See, you had nothing to worry about with this game you're doing. You do, because no, all those names are a blend in because I interviewed all of them. So trying to remember, wait a minute, which one? And of course, as I've said, uh, I cover, I literally fly out to the Junos uh, to represent. So, and again, one of those artists who amazing artist but still needs that 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 one almost like the way julie black was you mm-hmm. need that breakout 
You know, yeah. Seven Day Fool was Julie Black's. She still needs her Seven Day Fool breakout to to really show the rest of the world her amazing talent. I agree. I agree. And it's definitely going to happen because she's yeah. like, she's killing it. Yeah. Um, okay. The last question. This one is the tricky one. Okay. Just to let you know. Okay. okay. So this a Canadian singer uh, sung backgrounds for Beyonce. So sang backgrounds on a song. Is it A, Party Next Door, B, Jesse Reyes, C, Daniel from the group Division, or D, Alicia Cara? Say the names again. Party Next Door. Mm-hmm. Or B, Jesse Reyes. C, mm-hmm. Daniel from Division, or D, Alicia Cara? I'm going to go with C. Oh, Daniel from uh, Division? No. Yeah. The answer okay, who is, is it? Jesse Reyes. Really? I did yeah. not know that. Wow. Good for Jesse. I just, it's funny because Jesse is such a strong personality. Mm-hmm. I would never see Jesse singing background for anybody. Um, right. unless of course maybe it's uh, the Queen. Um, but I mean, I it's, it's so that's so funny. I cannot see, and because she has such a unique voice, I wow. So you got me on that one. Good for you. Yeah. I I just look, and you see, and this is the other thing I think that keeps me going because as much knowledge as I have, I don't have all the knowledge, and mm-hmm. you learn from young people like yourself that um helps teach you somebody like me uh certain things. So I thank you for that because the next time I talk to Jesse, I'm definitely going to jump on her on that one going, "Why didn't you tell me you sang with Beyoncé?" you know? Yeah. But um it was so interesting to learn cuz the same with like she's she's such a star, you know? Yeah. All right, and I find a, a leader, you know, she does her own yeah. thing. Yeah. So that was a surprise for me too. I can't. Wow. Like I'm just trying to picture her singing background for, like I said, anybody. Cause mm-hmm. like I said, she's just such a forefront type of person. So good on her for yeah. putting her ego in check to do something like that. So yeah. no. And again, with her humble, strong, passionate says how she feels so proud of her. And it's funny because it seems like every Juno award, I end up talking to her because she's either nominated or she's won. Mm-hmm. So you got to give her big ups for that. Yeah, no, most definitely. She's another like amazing person. Anybody that I talk to that knows her has like amazing things to say about her. Um, and I remember too, like this mentorship program that uh, I was a part of Girl Connected. She was one of the speakers one time for one of our like chats. And she was just so down to earth and she stayed on like longer than like she was That's supposed Jessie. to. And she was just like giving information, like nothing. It was like, it. I really appreciated it. It was, it was great. That's Jesse. That's Jesse. Well, I didn't do too badly. No, you did good. See, you were scared for nothing. Hey, hey reputation is always on the line. And I'll tell you something else too. One of the things very quickly one of the things that I always think about when, whenever I'm doing this or anything, a couple of things. One, when I go in front of the microphone, whether it's interviewing, hosting, or whatever else, um, winning awards, which thank God that that stuff has happened. 
I know that I am representing my family. Mm-hmm. I'm representing my parents who work their asses off yeah. to give me the means and opportunity to do things, these things. And also my old neighborhood that I grew up in because back in the day we were all family and it didn't matter if you were in the neighborhood, which I was uh, by Vaughn and St. Clair area. That was really my main growing up. It didn't matter if you were in Scarborough. It didn't matter if you were up at Jane and Finch. We were all a community. We were all a family. We grew up together. We would go to dances and parties and friends' backyards and things like that. And when I started doing this stuff, I always would think in my head, because I learned not just from people in the industry. I learned from them, too. I learned from my brother, my dad, my sister, my brother, like everybody. I learned from everybody. So I know every time I go up in front of a microphone, I'm not just representing me. I'm representing all of them. So I can't be stupid about things that I'm doing because if I do something stupid, I disrespect them. So that always sits in the back of my head. I represent my family, Mm -hmm. my crew, their legacy, and I connect it with what I'm doing. So I never want to mess up badly. I always want to do the best I can and watch it grow so that when my name is on, you know, like an uh, 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 Harry Jerome award. Yes. Yeah, says Rudy Blair, but I look at the last name Blair mm-hmm. that represents my family. My family's name is going to be somewhere that can never be taken away. And for me, that is extremely important. I might go, people might forget about me, but if they go through that list, they're going to go, uh, Oh, there's that name. RTDN, RTDNA awards or whatever. Um, yes. It's always the radio station. But there are times when the reporter gets his name down. Rudy Blair is there, you know, um, Hall of Fame uh, for radio broadcasting in Humber. So far, I'm the only person of color in that Hall of Fame. My name is there. And even and hopefully there'll be more on there. But uh, even if there's more, I'm still the first. Yes. No one can take that I'm away. Still from the first. You. Nobody can take that away from me. And again, that last name Blair is there that last name Blair in something like that prestigious represents and gives honor to my family, my friends, my neighborhood, everybody that I care about and who's cared about me. It represents them as well. It's not just about me. Rudy, this was amazing. I'm so happy. I got to speak to you today. You're representing your family. Well, you're representing Canada. Well, um, you're doing amazing things. I, like I told you, I've been following you for so many years. And again, there's not a lot of Black people that we see in the media that's like doing these type of interviews in stationed in Canada. You know, there's very few. So thank you for putting in that hard work, for being the creative that you are. Um, you know, I know there's more to come from you when it comes to awards and making history. So I'm excited to see what you what you're up to next. Well, I have to say that with somebody first, thank you very much. And uh, by the way, I got to make very quickly mention um, for what I could tell. I was the first person to ever have uh, a country music radio radio show in Canada. Okay. So that's something we can talk about again when we do a part two. Hopefully. Yes. 
But um, it has been an honor to speak with you. And I know it makes me feel good knowing that the future for broadcasting is safe with somebody like yourself, because you're definitely a, a, a future leader. And uh, you're going to make changes. You're going to make a difference. And you're going to bring honor to what we have all, the folks who are before me um, and myself being my position, you're going to honor all of that. And you're going to keep that legacy going. So congratulations to yourself. Thank you. Thank you so much. That means a lot coming from you. So thank you. Um, Let the people know uh, where can we follow you? Where can we keep up with you? Where can we watch all your interviews? Uh, Rudy Blair Entertainment Media, RudyBlairMedia.com. That's the place to go to. I'm on all social media platforms or as many as them as possible because there's too many of them. Um, hit me up on Facebook, Instagram. Um, I do do TikTok, but I hate TikTok, but I've got a couple <laughs> of things up there. And former Twitter X, yeah, there's stuff up there too, but they're going to keep trying to charge me a buck every year. I don't know how long I'm going to be on that. So really Facebook, Instagram, and uh, LinkedIn, I'm I'm there too. So um, yeah, I'm there on the platforms and just uh, the hustle continues and it's never going to do the hustle. That, that, it's never going to end. Never going to end. All right. Thank you so much once again for your time, for all of the information that you gave to us. It's it's very fulfilling. So thank you so much. This is the Total R&B Podcast. My name is Lorena. I am the host. This is a bi-weekly podcast. So we will be back in two weeks with a new interview.